It's Easter Sunday. Can, can you give God another half hour or so? Amen. I'll try and keep it down to half an hour. I, I love the Easter season. It smells like victory. Amen? Amen. You know, and as we meditate and, and, and contemplate and, and think on the Easter weekend that Jesus did for us, more of its power becomes real in our lives. Amen? It's, it's just a special season for, for me, um, and for actually for my family as well. I'm going to give you a bit of a testimony. Some of you probably heard this before, but um, I was born again at a Bill Pranker meeting at uh, Highland Park High School in the summer of 75. And um, so I, uh, I thought, this is great. This is, this is, this is what I want. And uh, so went on for, for a few months, and after a few months' time, um, I met this pretty brunette that, uh, oh, sorry, this pretty brunette. <laughs> was you, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and uh, so I thought, I'm just going to take her to some of these meetings I've been going to. And so I took her to these, some of these meetings, and nothing seemed to click. Nothing seemed to change with her. And, and uh, I would hear later that she said it was like somebody had put some fingers in my ears so you couldn't hear, you know, what the Spirit of God was saying. And I was just the devil. And so I persisted for a while, but then eventually I backslid, along with this pretty brunette, for five years. Ruined for sin. You get born again, you're ruined for sin. If you try to keep sinning, it's, it's hard. It's a sin consciousness thing. And so, for five years, and so for five years later, we're, we're now married, and uh, uh, it was the Easter season of 1980, and uh, I think maybe you, some of you heard Pastor Wendy's uh, story about how my sister, who lived in the same apartment uh, complex as us, uh, invited her to a Bible study. She went, got born again, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I knew what was going on because, you know, I've been there five years before, right? So... Um, so the second week, she goes to the same Bible study. And I'm at home doing what I, we've been doing for the last five years is drugs, whatever else, just, you know, staying stoned. Because you know what it was? It was just I was fighting that sin consciousness. I just didn't want to be. I wanted to be numb. I didn't want to have, be under that pressure. And so, but I knew what she was up to. And, and so that evening, I was doing what I normally do. And I, was sit, I sat in front of the TV, and I turned the TV on, and... And what came up were three crosses on the TV. Now, I didn't have a lot of stations on this TV. This is the bunny ear era, you know? So, <laughs> um, so there were three crosses on the TV, and I thought, and there's, there's no sound, nothing. And so I changed the channel. Billy Graham, <laughs> preaching up. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, of course, I'm under conviction. I click it again, three crosses. <laughs> click it again, Billy Graham. <laughs> click it again, three crosses. I'm sure there's more than just that on the TV at that time in the evening. So Pastor Wendy gets home, and uh, I said to her, I said, um, I said I've got to get things straight. And so I recommitted our lives. We re I committed, recommitted my life to the Lord. She already had. We took all our drugs, all the cigarettes, anything we had like that, and we threw it out and said, God, if this is in the way of what you want for us, take it. No withdrawals. 
nothing like that. What a transformation. And for the next few months, it was just heaven on earth, experiencing miracle after miracle, seeing the power of God in demonstration, and uh, we just got such a hunger, we just ran after it. Just ran after it. Because that's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of Easter. You know, if there's such a thing as the center point of eternity, it would have to be Easter. Uh, eternity before the cross and eternity after the cross. The crossroads of eternity, if you may. The Old Testament points forward to the cross. The, Old Test the New Testament points back to the cross. Wow. The whole book is the cross. It's the whole story. It's all Jesus. So going back to the beginning, Adam's commission from God was to tend and keep the earth. You know, the reason I'm going right back to the beginning is because every book speaks of the cross and Jesus and the purpose and so on. Every book. You'll find Jesus in every book. And this weekend, Easter weekend in every book. So going back to Adam's commission from God was to tend and keep it, keep what? The earth. And so in Genesis 2.15, says then, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So Adam was to guard it. That's what it meant to tend and keep was to guard it. And he failed to do so. Adam should have protected Eve from the serpent. Instead, God had to intervene. The authority that Adam had passed over to the devil. Let's look at Luke 4 and 6. And this is during the time of temptation in the wilderness with Jesus, and the devil said to Jesus, to him, all this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And this would not have been a real temptation if the devil didn't have this authority and Jesus didn't dispute this. What Adam had was real. And he gave it to Satan in the garden. Yeah. Let's look at that then. Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Like as if God didn't know, you know. <laughs> um, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And look what happened here. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The first thing that Adam uh, said he felt, felt after the fall was fear. His base nature now was darkness with a large dose of fear. This is all new to Adam and Eve. They had never felt fear before. And that fear felt, they felt was from sin consciousness now. And they had never known sin consciousness before and this is why they hid from God. Adam did have a confidence in his authority, but now that's gone. He's now has a, he now has an inferiority complex. He was once the ruler of the earth, but now he's not. So let's look at Romans 5 and 19. For as by one man's disobedience, that would be Adam, many were made sinners... That's us. Adam now had the nature of his new master, based in fear and dread. Now that fear has been passed down 
to all the generations of uh, descendants of Adam. So the seed of man now passes on this problem from generation to generation. Something had to be done. Easter is not just a Bible story. It was an event that was, that was orchestrated by God in the garden to fulfill a promise he had made to the devil. See, and that's why I started from the beginning. After the fall of man in the garden, there was a promise made that had to be fulfilled because God is not a man that he can lie. Genesis 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all, all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. From this point on, we start to see God going to work to fulfill the promise. Yeah. See, the Old, the Old Testament is full of picture types and shadows of, uh, of things that would come to pass, pointing to the death, burial, and resurrection of, uh, of Jesus. And here are just a few. Because it's so extensive, we'd have to have thousands of Sundays just to go through what all, all that was done starting with the obvious first innocent sacrifice, animal sacrifice, where God clothed them with animal skins to cover their nakedness. First animal sacrifice. And it's not like God went up to a sheep and said, give me your, give me your coat. He had to kill this animal. That was the first. Abraham, willing to offer up his only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice, and concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now, God was obligated to do nothing less than to offer up his only begotten son as our sacrifice. The Passover lamb in Egypt, where there's a very specific way of preparation, so to pick how Jesus would suffer on the way to the cross and on the cross. The blood applied to the doorposts in Egypt to prevent the death angel from killing the firstborn in every house was applied to the form of a cross. Coincidence? Not at all. Now under the law, the entire animal and scapegoat sacrifices done by the high priest depict the pattern in which Christ was arrested, handled, made the sacrifice for our sins after the Old Testament law, fulfilling the law, putting an end to it. He was the last high priest, last one to be sacrificed. Our authority before the cross, Adam had it, and then he gave it to Satan, and the Bible calls him the God of this world. God legally can't do anything on the earth unless he has the cooperation of man, and especially his voice. That's why your faith is activated by the words that you speak. The only ones in the Old Testament really had any authority on the earth was the prophet, the priest, and the king. It was an anointing bestowed by God for special occasions. Prophet, priests, and kings would speak out things, allowing God the legal right to move on man's behalf, speaking things into existence. Romans says it's calling those things that which do not exist as though they did. And you will find that in the Gospels that the disciples in Jesus would say things like this, Matthew 1, 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through this prophet, saying, Amen? 
Matthew 26, 56. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. John 12, 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Speaking of what they did in the crucifixion and the death, burial, and resurrection. So let's look at the crucifixion of Jesus um, through the prophetic words of the prophet Isaiah. We have the, the prophet Isaiah speaking, prophesying, speaking out not only the crucifixion, but also the brutality of what they did to Jesus to leading up to this crucifixion. These words were written hundreds of years before the event. Isaiah 52, 14. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Hard to imagine how grotesque Jesus was hanging on that cross. He didn't even look like a man hanging on that cross. And you can imagine all the sicknesses and disease and and the sin that's now upon There's a movie I saw years ago. It's called The Portrait of Dorian Gray. And who knows that movie? Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, just my generation. <laughs> okay. They made a modern version, so anyway. Uh, the, the story basically is this, and I'm sure it's, it's probably Bible-based in some manner, but there was a guy named Dorian Gray, who was a rich guy, and this is back in the early... Uh, Early late 1800s, early 1900s in in, um, in England, and um, there was a picture, a portrait painted of him, and he was a very handsome young man, you know, sort of thing. And uh, but what he found out was that every time that he sinned or um, or did something immoral, the portrait would get uglier. He would not change; he would be the same. And so. Over the years, he just kept this, this lifestyle up. Never aged, never got old, never anything. And so what happened was, towards the end of this movie, you, can, you see the picture, and you see this very grotesque-looking, old, just weathered person and the portrait. And he realized that it was taking all the, everything that he should have been taking in him, it was put onto something else. And it's like, it's picture, very picturesque of us, what we did, what we have done, and what Jesus did for us. Yeah. Now, in the end of the movie, the, the portrait ends up getting destroyed in a fire, and then, then you see Dorian Gray looking like the portrait did before it was burnt. Anyway, that's just a movie I saw. It just left an impression on me. You know, there's some of those movies just leave on it. Really, you know, that kind of impression on you. But I, but I, you know, even at the time, I don't even remember what I was saved at the time, but it was, uh, I was quite, I actually was quite younger when I was younger. But anyway, um, it still left that impression on me that uh, it was more of a biblical thing. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. That's sickness. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our sorrows, and that's pains. So surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, spitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. 
This is, this is Isaiah, 500 years before Jesus went to the scourging post. The book of Isaiah is one of the most popular books read in the synagogues by the Jews because of the many references to the Messiah. And, um, but even with that, they didn't see their day of visitation. Jesus told them that. They were so blind because of their nature was that of the father of the devil, a murdering spirit. They were blind to the truth. And as Paul told the Corinthians, none of the rulers of this age uh, knew, for had they known, they would never crucify the Lord of glory. The Psalms, just not songs. They're, they're just not poems. They are prophetic. And again, some written over a thousand years before, before the events took place. And in the 22nd Psalm, it gives us what Jesus experienced on the cross. I just want to go through this with you. Uh, Psalm 22 and 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? And we know that Jesus cried these words out as God turned his back on him when he became sin for us. Verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men despised by the people. Well, now this is sin consciousness. It's now a reality in Jesus' life. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. And just like us, he was starting to know what that was like. What Adam felt in the garden. Verse 7 and 8. And all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Again, a thousand years before this event. And this is what the high priest and the scribes said to him at the foot of the cross. Verse 12 says, Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. This is, this is now the demons that are swarming about him, uh, waiting for his death, tormenting, mocking him themselves. And he is seeing this. Not only was he seeing the spirit realm, what was happening there, he, was, he had the natural people on, on the ground as well. Verse 14, I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it has melted within me. The crucifixion... And what would happen is, as they're hanging like this, their bones would come out of joint. And what they would have to do, they, they would lose their breath because their muscles and everything would stretch across their chest. They couldn't breath. They have to stand up on, the, on their legs to get a breath. And so everything's coming out of, out of place. His heart was under tremendous pressure. And we all know that Jesus died from a broken heart. They couldn't kill him. But the beatings with the crucifixion. He died of a broken heart. And we, that's proven out when they shoved the, shoved the spear up his side and out came water and blood. And that water that came out was a sack of water that forms around the heart when the heart is broken and it chokes the heart. And that's what came out. He died of a broken heart. Verse 15, My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. And they would offer Jesus, but not only Jesus to others, they would offer them water mixed with vinegar, but Jesus would refuse to take it. Verse 16, For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This would be the Gentiles, the Romans, crucifying him. They're, called, they're considered dogs. That's what the Jews would consider other Gentiles would be dogs. Again, it was 6th century B.C. The Persians invented crucifixion. 500 years after this psalm was written. And 500 years before Jesus went uh, suffered on the cross. 
it's pointing to it. It's pointing to Easter. It's pointing to what happened. It's pointing to his death and crucifixion. Verse 17, I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. Could you imagine? Everything's aching. Everything's in pain. They divide my garments among them, and for, this is for 18, and, the, the, and for my clothing they cast lots. And Matthew says this over a thousand years later, that they crucified him and they divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. And Jesus had this cloak that was of one, no seam, solid material. And they, they decided, the Romans decided they weren't going to divide it among themselves. They were going to cast lots or gamble over who gets the one piece. Verse 20, deliver me from the, the sword, my precious life, and the power of the dog. It's the Gentiles. 21, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen, the demons. The mind can barely comprehend the enormity of the sacrifice and suffering and love it took to fulfill the promise made in the Garden of Eden to win mankind back, restore our place of authority and power. And that was the experience of the cross. And there you were with him, guilty by association, because we identify with his crucifixion. Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. On my behalf. On our behalf. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. <laughs> oh, glory. Let's look at Jesus in hell, according to the 88th Psalm. We could go to the Gospels and, and show you when it actually happened, but I want to show you that it happened long before the Gospels. This was the plan. Psalm 88.3, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like the man who has no strength. Adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit in darkness in the depths. Your wrath lies upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves, Selah. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up. I cannot get out. My eyes waste away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Selah. Show your... Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of, of forgetfulness? And you were there with him. Guilty by association because we identify with his death. 2 Timothy 2.11 This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Romans also confirms this, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. <laughs> and now, the most exciting part of the Easter event, the Father looks down into hell, and he says, enough. 
The demands of justice have been met. The Spirit of God hits that place, and the glory of God lights that place up. And it's at this time the devil now realizes he never did win. He loses the keys to death and hell. Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave, but he, only, but he not only defeats them, he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. And the heel of Jesus crushes the head of Satan. Promise fulfilled. Righteousness, redemption, justification, sanctification are now ours because you are guilty by association because we identify with his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Colossians 3 and 1 If then you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sits, sits sitting on the right hand of God. Ephesians 2 and 5 Even when we were dead and trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Resurrection power now resides in us. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit, Him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Romans 5, 19, For as by one man's disobedience, Adam's, many, that's us, were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, Jesus, Many, that's us, will be made righteous. That's right standing in the presence of God. Not afraid, no fear, no shame, no nakedness. Before the Father, as it was in the garden. Before the fall. Colossians 1.14 In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. Fear no longer has any place in us. We no longer have a fear nature, we have a love nature because uh, Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Jesus rises from the dead, he goes into heavenly tabernacle, he offers his blood on behalf of us once and for all. And now, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. Notice that Jesus rose from the, after he rose from the dead, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. Take that authority. Use that authority. In the name you shall. <laughs> no sooner did Jesus get back that authority here on earth than he gave it back to us, the church, his body here on the earth. Actually, the only way that Jesus could have authority on the earth is because he's not here, it's through his body, us, the church. Restoring us to the place that Adam had given to the devil. The head does not have authority without the body. Neither does the body have authority without the head. Price paid in full, and with some perks for the recipients that received so great a salvation, authority was restored by what Jesus did on our behalf. Any limitations that we had before the cross were taken away because of the cross. Okay, doesn't end there.
It doesn't end there. You got your shedding clothes on this morning? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Here it is, here it is. He died the Lamb of God, but he rose the Lion of Judah. You didn't get that, you didn't get that. The Christ that dwells in you because of our identification with his death, burial, and resurrection is a lion, no longer the sacrificial lamb. He was the lamb, now he's the lion. So let's look at Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a Fear has no place in our lives. The devil may be going about as a roaring lion, but we are lions when we use the authority we have because Jesus rose victorious as the lion of Judah. (laughs) For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen? Guilty by association with the death and burial resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Glory. You're guilty. You're guilty. (laughs) Uh And all the benefits thereof. And all the benefits thereof. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Use that authority. It's called the believer's authority. Amen? Happy Easter. Happy Easter. (laughs) Amen.